Yo, what is going on, everyone? My name is Nick, or The Notorious Fantasy, and in today's video, we'll be going over my week number 14 tight end start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. Inside of today's video, we'll be going in depth through every single matchup from Thursday Night Football tomorrow, all the way up until the doubleheader on Monday Night Football, and discussing the tight ends in all of those games, whether you should start or sit them on your bench. But before we could get into things, I would like to ask that if you guys are new to the channel, and you do end up enjoying today's video, then please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below. And while you're down there, whether you are new to the channel or not, make sure you guys smash that like button like your name was Hulk. So without further ado, make sure you follow me on Twitter at NotoriousFNTSY. Let's get on in to my week number 14, tight end start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. We begin with the most exciting game on the slate, the New England Patriots at the Pittsburgh Steelers on Thursday Night Football. Now, Pat Fryermuth had a huge Week 12 up against the Cincinnati Bengals with nine receptions on 11 targets for 120 yards. But last week, in a layup of a matchup up against the Arizona Cardinals, he had three receptions on five targets for 29 yards in a game in which the Pittsburgh Steelers got absolutely hosed. They got rinsed. They stood no chance in the his game and then once Kenny Pickett went down honestly it got even worse now I do think that kiss and titties Mitchell Trubisky will feed him enough for him to be fine but I definitely don't expect anything special out of Friar Muth this week now Hunter Henry is a shell of a stud that he was in week number one this is a guy that started off the season on fire he was one of the most reliable tight ends over the first couple of weeks of the season but now we get to week 14, and he's just not that guy anymore. Trust me, you're not that guy. Henry had two receptions on four targets for 15 yards, so I would definitely sit him down, especially since Bailey Zappi looks so bad. Plus, Mike Licky on my Gasicki on will get a target or two every single week that just further kind of puts Henry in a hole. Next up, we move to the Sunday slate, beginning with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Hot Atlanta Falcons. Now, Cade Otten last week put up a goose egg with zero targets against the Panthers defense, but I do expect Otten to get back to his normal five to six targets every single week and have an all right game. Now, the ceiling of Cade Otten is truly capped by the fact that this is a offense with a lot of weapons, right? Mike Evans. I know Chris Godwin hasn't had a great year, but Godwin still commands targets. They also have Rashad with two A's white, so it kind of ices out Otten out of having a very big game but he is still talented enough to finish inside the top 16 at tight end and for a lot of fantasy football teams that's all you're asking for to be able to keep your head above water and have your running backs wide receivers and quarterbacks do all of the work. For the Atlanta Falcons, Kyle Pitts had a solid game last week in the frozen tundra of MetLife. Freezing rain there looked pretty windy against the Jumbo Jets with four receptions on eight targets for 51 yards. Now, every single week, Kyle Pitts has been a start, right? Because even through the trials and tribulations of the season, and despite him not living up to my expectations one bit, it is very hard to sit a player that is as talented as Kyle Pitts, because the second you finally are like, I'm done with him, I don't want him anymore, like what Andy did to Woody in Toy Story, I don't want to play with you anymore, right? The second you do that, the second you cut bait on Kyle Pitts, this man's going to go out there and just absolutely bend the defense over the table so he's too talented to sit but we all know 
damn well that he could be a complete and utter unmitigated disaster any given week. Janu has been worse than Tony Soprano's mental health over the last three games. Janu Smith has been a disaster. At points in this season, Janu Smith was truly one of the most reliable tight ends in fantasy. He was significantly more reliable than Kyle Pitts, but that time has passed. The ship has sailed on Janu Smith's season, so I would certainly sit him down. Next up, we move to game number three, the Detroit Lions at the Chicago Bears. Something we're going to talk about in today's video and something that's going to be a talking point on Sunday in the live stream that starts at around 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time before the games kick off at 1 o'clock is going to be the weather. There are a lot of games this week where the weather is going to be fucked up. It is not only going to be cold, so the players' nipples are going to be cutting diamonds. It is also going to be windy as well as rainy in a lot of these games, so that is something to monitor up until Sunday, and that could be the case here against the Chicago Bears. Now, I am not a weatherman and don't claim to to be one, but I'm going to wait until Sunday to see before I have some drastic reaction here. So Sam Laporta has been a top three tight end in back-to-back weeks with eight or more targets in both games and a touchdown in both of those games. Last week in New Orleans, he had nine receptions on nine targets for 140 yards and a touchdown against the Chicago, Chicago Bears defense that really isn't all that great. I get up against the Vikings prior to their bye. That primetime game that sucked donkey cock the Bears defense showed up but I just don't think they're going to be able to contain the beast of Sam Laporta I think he should be a top three top five tight end at the very least in this game he has been a must start tight end basically all season long once he stepped foot on the gridiron and started playing well as a rookie this year he's been a must start so I'm definitely firing him up with supreme confidence this week Cole Komet, despite the Bears looking like the Jets with Tim Boyle last time out up against the Minnesota Vikings, Komet went 7 of 7 for 43 yards. Field loves Komet more than I love my boy Tua Tungavailoa, so I believe that Komet should be a top 12 tight end at the very least, going up against the Lions defense that is honestly shockingly bad. Next up, we move to a matchup between the Indianapolis Colts at the Cincinnati Bengals, Gardner Minshew versus Jake Browning, a matchup that everyone was looking forward to when the NFL schedule came out. Now, Tanner Hudson River has played well for five straight games. Last week, during Jake Browning's coming out party, Hudson went four for four like he was at Wendy's for 35 yards. He has seen around four to six targets over this stretch of games, and I think he should be a low-end start this week, like one of the fringe start-worthy guys. I don't think that Jake Browning is going to have as elite of a game, right? Because Jake Browning was downright surgical up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But even if he does regress and does not look that good, we have seen Jake Browning be relatively solid all season long ever since he took over from Joe Burrow. So I think Hudson will be fine. Again, I'm not going to sit here and bang the drum aggressively for Tanner Hudson, but I think he'll be a-okay. Kylan Granson played, as Borat would say, Venice last week in Tennessee with three receptions on three targets for 72 yards. He also did something similar earlier on in the season, and I believe one game in the middle of the season, he kind of showed that flash. Ah, savior of the universe in one of those games. But again, after all of those great performances, he has just 
went back down to earth. He's never really been consistent with it, and until that's the case, he's an obvious sit. Next up, we move to the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Cleveland Browns. This is another game where it might be windy as fuck in Cleveland. There might be some heavy rain. We shall see. Now, David Njoku was 100% worse with Cool Joe Flacco under center compared to DTR because DTR was just forcing the ball down this guy's throat. I mean, he could get... He, with DTR, if he got 15 targets, it would not surprise me. I think Flacco is going to start yet again. But, you know, while I kind of shit all over the target share, he still got six targets. And with how bad the tight ends are this year, I will shoot my shot on a guy that I think could get six to eight, six to ten targets against a bad defense versus the tight end position. So I'm fine starting Ninjoku. Evan Ingram is one of those other tight ends that just feels like a nice safety net, like wrapping a Trojan over your squad every single week. For a long stretch of the season, he was a top eight tight end basically every single week. Last week against the Bungles in a loss, he was the tight end two with nine receptions on nine targets for 82 yards and a touchdown. I'll give him a nice round of applause because that was his first touchdown of the season. Ingram has been balling out of control. Ingram has been balling at a very high level, but he just couldn't find the end zone and last week he did, so that's awesome for Ingram. This Cleveland defense while they are very solid, isn't the best up against the tight end position. But, and this is a big but here, CJ Bethard, big dick Bethard is under center. So that does scare me and rank him super high. He should still be fine though as a top 10 tight end. But again, it's very obvious that going from T-Law to Bethard is going to be a large drop-off. Even though Bethard, I believe, went 9 of 10. I think I said that in the quarterback video. Looks pretty good in relief of... Mr. Lawrence, but that was against the Bengals defense, not the Browns. Next up, we move to the Carolina Panthers at the New Orleans Saints. Now, we did just get some very sad news, and that is that Panthers tight end Hayden Hurst's dad, Jerry Hurst, tweeted that his son has been diagnosed with post-traumatic amnesia by an independent neurologist from a hit he took in Chicago on November 9th. His dad, Jerry Hurst, said, slow recovery, don't know when he'll be back. Prayers appreciated. That is crazy. Obviously, we all love football. We all watch football. But, you know, injuries are going to happen and crazy shit like that. So, prayers, obviously, to Hayden Hurst. I hope everything goes well for him. I was really shocked when I read that. I knew Hayden Hurst probably was going to miss this week, but I didn't know it was something that serious. So, obviously... You know, we try to have fun on here. We try to crack jokes, and I'll get back to cracking jokes in just a second, but prayers up to Hayden Hurst. I do really hope he gets better because anytime it's something that's like a very serious thing that occurs in football, it does really make you think like, wow, while this is something that I love, while I look forward every Sunday to watching this, you know, there are some serious consequences to this game. So prayers up for Hayden Hurst. I hope he and his family are okay. So Panthers at the Saints. Obviously, without Hayden Hurst, then we get Tremble, and Tremble missed last week in Tampa Bay and is still questionable for this week due to a hip injury. If Tommy make that ass Tremble does miss, then Steven Sullivan, who is friends with Nathan Drake of Uncharted, will start. Regardless of which tight end starts, they're about as useful as using a mat. You place a mat at the bottom of the Empire State Building and you jump off the top, right? It's not going to fucking work. You don't need anything to do. You don't want anything to do with Tommy Tremble or Nathan Drake's friend, Stephen Sullivan. 
For the New Orleans Saints, Taysom was back on top as a top six tight end last week up against the Lions with two receptions on two targets for 15 yards and 13 rushes for 59 yards and a touchdown. I get that there is very evidently risk every single week involved with playing Taysom Hill, but with the tight end position being so volatile, with the tight end position being so dog shit every single week and being very unpredictable, I will certainly take my stab, take my shot on a guy that any given week not only could run in a touchdown or catch a touchdown, he could run in a touchdown, throw a fucking touchdown, and catch a touchdown all in the same game. It is important to note that Taysom Hill has been sidelined in practice today on Wednesday with a foot and hand injury. I guess he's been playing too much Twister or something. But from what I read, he's kind of been dealing with these injuries all season, so he should be good to go again. It's Wednesday, so you got to keep monitoring that. Then we got Jawan Johnson. Now, shockingly, Jawan Johnson's also hurt. Everyone's fucking hurt in the NFL. He is banged up with a quad injury and was limited in practice today. If he does play, I would avoid him. There's some talk about maybe Derek Carr coming back. I really hope not, to be honest with you, man. Derek Carr. Oh, I hope he's healthy, obviously. I'm not rooting against the guy. Like, I, I hope your fucking ribs are cracked, pal. Go fuck yourself, right? <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. But uh, I don't want to watch him play. He's so boring and Jameis is so fun. Next up, we got the Houston Texans at the Jets. And shockingly, this is another game where rain and wind could play a factor. Dalton Schultz was back in practice on Wednesday today, which is promising for his return up against the Jumbo Jets. If he is not able to go, then I would list his backup, Brevin Jordan, who had a solid game last week as a start when Schultz has been healthy. He has been one of the more reliable tight ends in fantasy football. So even with a potential fucked up weather game here up against the Jumbo Jets, I think Dalton Schultz should be a-okay. So next up, we got a sit, and that's going to be Tyler Conklin. Now, I think that with Zach Wilson back, the upside of Conklin may be back to him being a top 12 guy. Problem is, with the weather, Zach Wilson's going to be sliding around like a deer on ice, and I think Conklin's upside will be limited due to that, especially because this Texans defense was all over Mr. Unlimited last week, Russell Wilson, so I think Zach Wilson's going to be getting rocked your body in this game and it's going to suck for him, but Jets O-line's dog shit. I don't trust Conklin, at least for this week. Next up, we got the LA Rams at the Baltimore Ravens. If you guys have enjoyed thus far, make sure you do hit that subscribe button down below, as well as hit that like button. It would help me out a ton. So for the LA Rams, Tyler Higby tore the Arizona Cardinals a new ass two weeks ago in Arizona, going five for five for 29 yards, and not one, but two tugs in that game. Two tugs within like 15 minutes. That's almost a new record for Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Last week, as most of us with brain cells expected, he fell back down to earth up against Cleveland with two receptions on four targets for 35 yards. He belongs back on the bench this week against the Baltimore Ravens defense. Isaiah likely is essentially fantasy football's fool's gold. Every single time Hayden, or not Hayden Hurst, I apologize, Hayden Hurst used to be on the Ravens. Just had Hayden Hurst on my mind, I guess. He was on the Ravens a couple of years ago, but when Andrews is out, everyone and their mother is giving him the gawk gawk 9,000 special, right? Everyone's ranking him as a top 10 tight end. On Fantasy Pros, he's ranked as a top 10 tight end right now, and I get it, right? The upside is there, but every single time we do this, he goes out there and he shits the bed. Last time out as 
the tight end 19 against the Chargers with four receptions on six targets for 40 yards. Now, again, I do think the type on light, the hype on likely will end up being a little bit fugazi. It's a wazi, it's a woozy, but I will give him the nod as a start against the Rams defense that isn't great against the tight end. The biggest problem for Likely is not finding targets. It's really just in the red zone. You know what the fuck's coming in the red zone. It's going to be a rush, 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 because the Ravens are elite at running the football in the red zone. If they weren't as elite as they are in the red zone at rushing, then Likely would have a lot more opportunity, especially if Likely's name was Mark Andrews, but... You know, if likely is to score, he's probably going to have to catch the ball in like the 30 and run that bitch in himself. Next up, we move to a matchup between the cold like Minnesota Vikings at the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, TJ Hawkinson has been hot, 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 hot over the last three weeks, even with the Vikings offense looking like dog shit against the Bears, which we've already hinted at. Prior to the bye week, Hawkinson still went off. Five receptions on six targets for 50 yards and a touchdown. Hawkinson is the tight end number one on the season as he has dethroned Travis Kelsey, even with Dobbs looking like Cleveland Johnny Manziel last game out. I expect him to bounce back up against a not-so-hot, you know, Hawkinson's hot, but the Raiders defense is ice cold, so I expect Hawkinson to have a good one. Michael Mayer at one point in this season, it really felt like around Halloween time, Michael Mayer, his cousin Michael Myers, who was a stud at Notre Dame, could have had a respectable rookie season. I'm not saying he was going to go out there and be like Hawkinson or Kelsey or Laporta, but he was going to be fine, right? A okay season, like certain matchups, you start them, certain matchups, you avoid them. But now, Fast forward to week 14, it doesn't feel like that is really going to happen. He sees a solid four or five, four or five targets weekly, but with the targets coming from fucking Farva from Super Troopers, a.k.a. Aiden O'Connell, I would rather just leave Mayer on the pine. Before we get on to the next game here, the Seattle Seahawks at the San Francisco 49ers, I would like to give you guys a quick word from our friends and our sponsor over at Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best place to play NFL Pick'em in the whole entire universe, and today, Underdog Fantasy has a great offer for you guys that we'll be talking about in just a couple of seconds, but first, I want to explain how the Underdog Pick'em works. So you're going to have to select a minimum of two players from at least two different teams. In today's version of this, we'll be talking about the Lions at the Bears game. Now, there's going to be a lot more options to choose from as the week goes along, but this video is being recorded on Monday night, early Tuesday morning so that you guys can watch it when you're watching it. So we're going to have to go ahead and look at the offerings that they have right now. So we're going to go ahead and go with David Montgomery, higher than 68 and a half rushing yards in this spot, as well as DJ Moore, higher than 63 and a half receiving yards. I think this will be a very high scoring game. I think Montgomery should easily be able to get higher than that number. And I believe with Justin Fields back under center with him looking as good as he's looked, DJ Moore should be able to have a very solid game against a pretty bad Lions defense. So if both of these hit, we'll get three times our entry fee. If you want to do three picks, it's six times, four picks is 10 times and five picks is 20 times your entry fee. All of the picks, of course, have to hit if you live in one of the states on your screen right now and you are new to Underdog and use promo code NOTORIOUS, you'll get a first match deposit bonus up to $100. You deposit $100. They give you an additional $150, additional $50, $10, and additional $10. The minimum deposit on Underdog is $10. If you have a gambling problem, please make sure that you call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Back on into things here, Seahawks at 49ers. Now, every single week I come on here and yap all about how George Kittle is one of the biggest boom or bust tight ends in fantasy football, right? But everyone knows that at this point. Most weeks, he is either a certified smash or a complete and utter disgrace to your fantasy football lineup. Last week, he had a rare middle-of-the-road game, right, where he's not having this huge performance, but he's in the middle like his name was Malcolm. Four receptions on six targets for 68 yards, one off of being very nice with 69 as the tight end eight in Philly. While his floor is normally at an all-time low, 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 right, relatively low, the upside is too strong for Kittle to be anything Aside from a must-start tight end, Noah Fant with the Seattle Seahawks, they use a bunch of tight ends every single week, so regardless of how cool Fant looks with the visor and regardless of how cool and how good Noah Fant performs and looks out there, there just aren't enough targets to go around when they use so many tight ends, plus... They also already have Metcalf, Lockett, and JSN, so Fant is just iced out of touches. Next up, we move to the Buffalo Bills at the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, it is reported that Knox is set to practice this week. If Dawson Knox does play, Dawson Knox one time if you're with me, I would be a little bit more worried about Kincaid. Now, Kincaid has earned the right to sit atop the Iron Throne as the lead tight end on the team, but, and this is a big but, shout out Jen Selter if anyone was on Instagram back in the day, if you know, you know, Knox could play enough of a role to make Kincaid drop outside of the top 10 tight ends, right? Be a bit of a pest towards Kincaid's upside. Now, I'm still starting him with confidence, but I would be stupid. It would be idiotic for me to sit here and just pretend like Dawson Knox doesn't exist, assuming that he plays. Now, Knox is a three to five target guy most weeks, but even when he was playing this season, he failed to eclipse 20 yards. It's not like this is some huge metric, like 50, 60 yards, right? 20 fucking yards. He didn't get more than 20 yards in five of six games. So, the way we're sitting here, to me, it seems like he's just going to be a pest, right? A fucking leech onto Kincaid that's going to drag Kincaid down, but Knox himself will never really elevate himself into being some start-worthy tight end. Now we move to the other team, the Kansas City Chiefs. If your starting tight end is Travis Kelsey, you didn't even need to watch this video. Now maybe you're watching because you enjoy listening to me to talk and yap on for 30 minutes, but he's a very crystal clear tight end start every single week. He's the tight end one in my rankings every single fucking week. Even on the bye week, I listen to him as the tight end one, so... Only had one down game on the season. You got to fire him up up against the Buffalo Bills. Next up, we got the Denver Broncos at the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, the fish man, Adam Troutman, is the tight end one on the Broncos, but that's about all we need to talk about about Troutman if everything went his way. I mean, every single thing. The stars fucking aligned. He woke up at the correct time. The birds were chirping in the morning. His wife gave him some sloppy toppy before the game. Even if everything was going correct, he probably gets three targets in the game, so he's a very clear sit. Gerald Everett, we all know what Gerald Everett is in fantasy football. He is a four to five target weekly guy. If he scores, you're going to be happy. If not, he'll probably end up with around five or six points because he's not a guy that gets four to five targets and rips off potentially 80 yards, right? Like when George Kittle played against the Saints, he had like eight dudes on him and he's just walking with like, with all the guys on him like a backpack, like he's fucking Dora, right? Gerald Everett doesn't do that. He's going down easily, right? He's going down easy like Junior Soprano. 
So against Denver, I really do believe that he has the upside here to score. So I would start him. But again, we all have to understand unanimously that he is a very hit or miss player. Next up, we move to the Philadelphia Eagles at the Dallas Cowboys in Jerry's world on because you waited all day for Sunday night. Dallas Goddard and Jake Ferguson. So Goddard practiced in full today after practice. Uh, practicing after fracturing his forearm all those weeks ago in week nine versus the Dallas Cowboys. Goddard has been far from fantastic this season and has been for the most part pretty underwhelming in my opinion. But when push comes to shove, when you got to actually fucking make the decision, and while I won't have him ranked as a top eight tight end, he's a talented tight end on one of the best offenses in the National Football League in a game that has the upside of being that Rock'em Sock'em Robots high-scoring tit-for-tat affair. For most teams, you're just going to be stuck playing Dallas Goddard again, assuming he's good to go on Sunday night. Jake Ferguson, the Eagles defense ranks 22nd against tight ends. So that is huge for a potential blowup game for Fergalicious Ferguson. Last time these two teams went toe-to-toe in week nine where Goddard got hurt, Ferguson had seven receptions on 10 targets for 91 yards and a score. Last week, he was balling like Giannis in 2020 with six receptions on eight targets for 77 yards and a tug against the Seattle Seahawks. Ferguson, for the most part, has been a must-start tight end for basically the whole season. So I am certainly firing him up with supreme confidence up against the Birds. Next up, we move to... Monday Night Football, the Tennessee Titans at the Miami Dolphins, one of two Monday Night Football games. We've talked already all week about why I don't understand why they play the game at the exact same time, so we're not going to fucking beat a dead horse here and talk about it for a very long time. So Chig has had two games in a row in which he was decent. Last week against Indy, he had three receptions on six targets for 62 yards and one rush for two yards. While this is all promising, while this is all fine and dandy... This Miami Dolphins defense might not be the best at stopping a tight end, but this Dolphins defense, even without Jalen Phillips, with Andrew Van Ginkle, with Chubb, with Agba, with all these guys, Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins, they are going to pound Will Levis into submission, pound him into the dirt. I'm not rooting for him to get hurt or something, obviously. I don't do that. I'm just saying he's going to get hit a bunch. Okay? I don't want anyone to perceive that wrong. I just don't really see Chig getting a lot of opportunities because Levis is going to be on the ground a lot. Plus, Chig hasn't scored all year, and I don't expect that cherry popping to occur this week. Durham Smythe had a grand total of zero targets last week, which led to, I know this might be shocking, you get zero targets, he scored zero fantasy points. Crazy how that shit goes. Smythe is a good NFL tight end since he blocks to protect my boy Tua Tungavailoa, but for fantasy, he is irrelevant. Next up, we move to the final game, Monday Night Football Part Dose, Green Bay Packers at the New York Football Giants in MetLife. Tucker, Kraft Mac and Cheese, has had two decent games in a row. Against the Giants defense, that's been pretty solid against the tight end. I would avoid playing him, considering you essentially need a touchdown for Tucker Kraft to be valuable, right? He doesn't suck in a whole lot of targets. I will note, though, that if you're in a real pickle, Kraft was like the last guy out, right? I rank my top 18 tight ends as of right now on Wednesday are the guys that are starts. The rest are sits. Kraft was number 19, so 
you can make an argument between Kraft and some other guys like Everett. Maybe you want to start Kraft over Everett, you know. I'm not going to sit here in the comment section and have a fucking keyboard warrior off with you if that was your decision. Daniel Bellinger is going to be a sit as well. Now, Darren Waller is expected to return next week for their game up against the Saints. And if Tommy Cutlets, Tommy DeVito, is able to play well, maybe Waller can be a sneaky league winner. Now, I know he's been shit all season, so I'm not here trying to just uh, save face as someone that was a Darren Waller truther, but... Maybe, just maybe, he comes back and has a decent end to the season. Until then, Bellinger's the guy. He did show some flashes last season, but so far with Waller out, he's been invisible. Fucking John Cena, you can't see me, so you definitely need to sit him. Thank you guys all so much for watching. If you did end up enjoying again, please make sure that you smash that subscribe button down below like it owes you money. Lightly caress that like button. I would appreciate it a ton. Love you guys all so much. If you guys like access to my weekly rankings, that should be out tomorrow morning as well and updated throughout the weekend as well as an answer to any of the questions you may have. I try to answer relatively quick on Patreon. It's $7.50 linked in the video description. I love you guys all so much. I hope you have a great guys day and as always, Check out one of the videos on your screen. Good boy!